You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to getlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at getlatka.com. Guys, Node.ai got going, caught six months ago researching. They just closed a $500,000 convertible note with a 10 million cap. So caught, they sold 5% of the business. Pretty healthy though. The question now is, can they get uh, MBA students as their initial ICP target? Can they get these students using the tool? Uh, and then after that, can they start turning on a revenue stream here? We will see what happens. Justin's got experience though. Went two-time exited, first-time exited founder, second-time exited founder, bootstrapped VC. Node is his third project. We'll see where it goes. Hey, folks, my guest today is Justin Shum. He's building Node.ai, which extends human reasoning and decision-making abilities. He's building on his own experience. He's a three-time founder, one bootstrap, one exit, and one venture backed. Justin, you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. What was the name of the bootstrapped one? Yeah, ReadyChat. Founded back in 2013, exited in 2015. ReadyChat. Okay. And what was the... uh, you, You bootstrapped that, right? Yep, you got it. So like no, no angels, you just put in your own money, basically? Yes, that and a lot of blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. And how many years was that again, you said? Uh, we operated for three years, and then we had an acquisition. Okay. And did you I mean, did you guys break a million bucks of ARR at that point? Or what were you when you exited? We were pretty close in terms of Canadian dollars. Uh, if you converted that to USD? Yeah, it was uh, it broke a million. And because it was a hybrid between you know software and services. We didn't get a huge multiplier on it. It was about three x revenue uh, for the acquisition. Okay, uh, this would have been back. Bootstrapped entrepreneur. That was a lot of money for us uh, at the time. Yeah, I mean, what? That's a three million dollar deal back in 2017, right? You guys own how many co-founders? Uh, there was three. I mean, so if you each can pre-tax take home something like 300k, that's a good gig back then. Yeah, you know what? And in Canada, you get uh, your tax free up to seven hundred fifty thousand. So it was basically all of it in our pockets, which was nice. That's okay. So I changed my math. You each get three hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars pre tax and get to keep most of it, something like that. Yeah, that's great. Looking back, do you go, man? I wish I kept building that thing. There was a lot of potential there. Did you sell too early or no? Yeah, I think every founder has uh, seller's remorse for sure. Um, but you know, that was a, it was somewhat of a platform that launched us into other businesses. And, you know, all of us are, um, you know, successful in, in, in different areas now. So, um, I don't think I have too much regrets. Yeah. I, I rarely meet founders that regret their first sale because it creates so much optionality for you, not to mention the cash in your pocket. Um, so, all right, you get that done in 2017. And then what was the next company? I guess this was the VC backed one. This was actually not. We um, the second company was Ask Avenue again in the prop tech space. Ask what? Uh, uh, Ask Avenue. Avenue, yeah. okay. And uh, you know we had some of the largest enterprise customers at the time, Remax, um, you know, a Royal Page, another massive brokerage with twenty thousand agents, um, and we got a lot of press. Won a pitch competition to kick it off, uh, but that one was angel backed actually, and it was a c- completely different experience from you know bootstrapping where you own. I own fifty one percent of Ready Chat. Uh, Ask Avenue slightly less, but it's super important to note this, that taking on angels, they have to be the right angels. Uh, the angels we took on were not um, experienced in investing in tech. And so they had different agendas, different strategies they were trying to enforce. And so it got pretty messy, pretty ugly. And I actually exited that one 
willingly um, and didn't make too much money off of it. I just wanted to, to, to move on to new things. Why do you say ugly? Yeah, just different objectives. Um, you know, they were opposed to the markets we were entering, the go-to market strategy. Um, and there was just a lot of uh, debates, um, you know, a lot of bats, which led to backstabbing eventually. So it became somewhat of a toxic environment. Backstabbing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for example, you know, I was the CEO at the time and I really wanted to continue to go after enterprise uh, within real estate, um, continue to go up market and just double down on that segment. Uh, but they wanted to expand uh, into other verticals. Um, and so eventually, you know, it came down to, you know, voting and and I was outvoted and, and I was actually removed from the company, uh, but I was willing to leave. Interesting. What was the board? How many folks? There was, uh, I believe, six people at the time. Wow, that's a lot of people on a board for a company at angel stage. Yeah, yeah. So you can imagine how complicated that was. Well, yeah, and you, and also you rarely. I mean, you don't want to have an even number on your board because then you have to deal with ties. Um, yeah, interesting. Exactly. All right, what was the third company? Yeah, third company is um, Node, which I'm currently working on. Uh, this one's venture backed, so I've gone through you know various structures and. I can say that this one is a lot easier when you're venture-backed. You have just access to stronger advisors, more resources, and you really can, I wouldn't say take your time, but you can really methodically plan out, you know, your next steps. You're not trying to put out a bunch of fires, trying to, you know, make payroll or anything like that. You have um, more time and focus, I would say. So what? how much did you raise in what year? Yeah, so we just closed it actually um, last month. Um, so it's pre pre seed uh, five hundred thousand USD from Drive Capital, amazing partners. Um, we're contemplating taking on a little bit more for our our pre seed with um, I don't want to name them yet because it's not not done. But um, their resources in AI and we're building an AI space uh, would be invaluable to us. So we're considering open up a little bit more and then maybe we'll raise a either a small a or a larger um, seed in about six to eight months time what cap did you negotiate um so it's convertible note um sorry what was your question what cap did you negotiate or was it a, or was it an uncapped convertible note it's capped yes um i i, I don't, I don't want to get into too many details but i will share that we did raise like we're probably in the top 10% in terms of valuations and terms. Um, we came out of a, um, a program called Entrepreneur First. Not sure if you're hurt, uh, familiar with them. That, uh, that's where I actually met my co-founders this time around. Um, and their terms were like 10% for like 200,000, uh, not, the, not the greatest. And so we actually, um, we actually um, didn't go through with that, with that uh, term sheet. Um, uh, we actually decided to hit the market, um, the open market, and we secured um, the 500 at 5%. Um, instead of the 10%. So much more favorable. So that, I mean, so that would be a 10 million cap. Yeah. 10, yes, yeah. 10 million valuation. Yes. Um, well, a, there is no valuation on a say. I mean, there's a cap of 10 million, right? So when you use the word valuation, what do you mean? So it's 5% at a 10 million value, uh, valuation. And then the conversion point is where the cap comes into play. Um, so it is uncapped, rather. I see. Yeah. Got it. Point being, you sold 5% of the business once it converts at for 500K. You got it. Got it. Um, that's a high valuation. Um, that can be a bad thing because you have to grow into it. It also resets the pricing of your options, makes it harder to recruit uh, or defend a, a lower 409A valuation. Why'd you optimize for valuation? 
Yeah, you know what? We that wasn't our plan. Um, it was more so how we looked at it was we can get more money for the equity. Um, but we're also building the AI space and we're going after a pretty large market. So we feel that um, the valuation wasn't too steep for us. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk actually about the product. So who do you plan to sell this to? What, when, how will they use it? Yeah, our initial ICP will be um, actually MBA students. Why MBA students? Well, they're they're not tight on privacy and you know we need your data. And I hate this idea. Aren't all MBA students broke? They are, but here's here's the thing. Well, so why would you pick them as your initial segment if they're broke? I wouldn't say they're broke. I would say uh, probably 50% of them are actually working uh, in the field, doing part-time MBA. The ones that are like right out of undergrad entering their MBA, yeah, they're broke. But here's the thing. They're open to trying new technologies, and we're really looking for the feedback as opposed to monetizing them. We want them to help us define our a roadmap um, if we but see why, st- why would you build a roadmap around a customer that's broke? Don't you want to build a roadmap around a customer that's rich? Well, here's the thing. They grow up into enterprise, um, organizations and they're going to, if they adopt us according to our plan, they'll take us into their organizations as well. So that's the strategy on top of that. They mimic our core customer that we plan to monetize with, which are management consultants. They do the same thing in terms of analysis. Um, and, and they deal with a lot of unstructured data and, and documents and things like that. I see. When did you, what month did you write the first line of code for the platform? We actually just started writing last week. So we've been building, my, our co-founders, uh, my co-founders and I, we've been building across three different continents for the past six months. And before we wrote any line of code, we went through deep discovery. We went, we went through a dozen different rabbit holes to arrive to this final conclusion where we valid, you know, invalidated our hypothesis before we started writing and building. Unlike my what? previous startups where we just built and started selling, like I sold packages in my previous startups before we even had a product or service. Um, so this one was a lot more methodical in our approach. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you know? I mean, no one's ever come to me and say, um, I test my hypothesis and it failed. I'm not going to start a startup anymore, right? Everyone figures out a way to make that a good story. So, I mean, what were you looking for and what were you testing specifically? Yeah, we were trying to unlock value. Like w- 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 while building an AI, um, it's 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 scary because literally every release of um, from OpenAI kills hundreds of startups, right? Every single feature, um, and so we didn't want to build something for the short term, um, and, and so we really had to understand what value we could offer long term while while thwarting off threats from companies like OpenAI. Yeah, and but so how do you know what OpenAI is going to release six months from now? What if they release this product? You have no way to know that. Well, you can kind of understand where LLMs are going to go. Um, firstly, you know, it's, 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 you know, text-based, like simple stuff. And then now they're getting to multimodal. So, you know, video, audio, um, and then you can kind of like trace where, what, what type of different things you're going to be able to do with the LLMs for those different types of formats. Um, but for us, we looked at the big picture and we realized, yeah, you're right. We don't know what they're going to release. It's going to disrupt a lot of startups. But everything is going to be chat-based and conversational-based. And so what we're actually building is a platform that's really easy for anybody to get into, uh, to start using and, and finding value with LLMs without having to prompt. Um, so we're design, it's, it comes down to design principles, and we see a promptless future. You shouldn't have to converse with your machines in order for them to uh, extract value from them. Um, and I'm taking these learnings from the chatbot era, right? I built in the chatbot era, as you know, chatbot went through a huge chatbots went through a huge hype cycle, and then they fell off because they just sucked. Yes, chatbots are a lot more intelligent now, but you probably have experienced the ChatGPT. You understand that prompting 
Um, the slightest changes, uh, variations will result in a completely you know, different outcome and output. And we're trying to eliminate that variance by, again, creating a product that doesn't require prompts. I mean, anyone listening is going to go, well, how, are, how is your system going to know what I want automatically without me prompting it? Yeah, absolutely. So it really starts that comes down to the metadata that's available to us and the context of the actual data that you're dropping into our system. So I mentioned earlier that we're, we're, we're dealing with unstructured data at first. This is in the form of PDFs, uh, video interviews, similar like this. You'd be able to take this recording, drop it in. We would transcribe it. We would understand the context of those conversations. And then we could have auto-suggested next steps. Uh, very similar to like a chatbot experience now. This, I hate saying this and comparing us to this, but when you have, when you're chatting with a dumb chatbot, it has like the decision trees, the little buttons that you can select for a different outcome. So we're actually providing, we're still leveraging prompts, but we're, we're offering auto suggested prompts for a user to simply select next output. Um, and, and so they go through this decision tree and then we're capturing that in a visual way so that you can arrive to a conclusion or a desired output and then backtrack to see you know, what variance you can or changes you can make for a variance uh, on that output. Um, unlike, you know, a conversation interface, all of your prompts get lost. How do you know what variance, though, that the user wants to drive? Yeah. So, for example, if you were to drop in a PDF, let's say a Tesla earnings report, maybe past two years, and you wanted to run some analysis and compare those those two years in a certain segment, product segment, you could drop them in. and we. Could well, but that's them. a prompt. I would have to prompt. I mean, I'm prompting you, what you just defined as a prompt. Well, you're not, though, because you're dropping both in and we know automatically there's two different folders. We can uh, identify our, our files. We can identify the relationships and then have auto suggested prompts because we know you probably want to do some type of comparison. Um, and, and so that's the design. Those are the design choices we're making. How do you know that just from me dropping in two different PDFs that I'm wanting to automatically compare them? What if I'm wanting to concatenate them and put them together? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there are options, various options, which open up different drawers um, to simplify that process. But at the but end, Justin, of the day, isn't that a prompt? It's an auto-suggested prompt that you're selecting. You're not. There's no cognitive load for you to think. How should I phrase this for a desired output? So we're eliminating I mean, that. Isn't this the whole like son asks mom go to supermarket? The son asks mom for strawberry jam. The supermarket mom shows up. There's 20 different strawberry jams. She ends up buying no jam because she doesn't. There's too many options. I mean, isn't that what you're doing here? Sure. Yeah. But what's great about us, and this is what's somewhat proprietary, is the user interaction data that we're going to get from these MBA students who are going to tell us. What is the most accurate response or outcome or path? But the mom didn't buy any jelly. The supermarket learned nothing. She walked out hands empty. There were too many choices. Maybe, maybe in that example, but we think we think it could be different and 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 more efficient in the way we. Why? Well, how do you incentivize an MBA to spend their time to teach your program how to work, and then you're going to turn around later and charge them for it? You know what it's about? It's about uh, understanding your ICP. We're not trying to do this for every vertical. Um, and so we understand that MBA students, as well as consultants, leverage a, a dozen different frameworks. That's the outcome they want. They want to be able to do an analysis and apply framework. And so if we understand that desired outcome, then we can optimize. That's a prompt. It is a prompt, but they're not having to prompt it. You're right. Because, it's, because of the set number of prompt, like, you know, when MBA it wants to compare the Tesla earnings report A to B, it, that, the, the reason that they don't have to prompt is because it's a defined because of who the ICP is, it's a defined prompt. You got it. Yeah, you, we are still leveraging prompts, but the, 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 as the user, you don't need to prompt yourself. You don't have to uh, deal with that. 
and it reduces the cognitive load. How are you going to make money on this? Yeah, great question. So we are actually taking, we, we, we see this as, you know, we're trying to actually disrupt platforms like um, Wikipedia. We think, you know, the single simple web page um, encyclopedia um, hasn't evolved. And so what if we could give creators, um, anybody who wants to discuss and analyze and create a community around a topic, the ability to create um, intelligent workspaces where they can run analysis, analyses, and then users, uh, their followers could fork their analysis, create their own, add to it, add more data sources to it, and then build communities around these types of um, you know topics. So again, going back to the Tesla earnings report, huge, huge uh, community around you know retail investors around Tesla earnings. Um, what if you had created a, a node board and had this, this analysis and had a community contributing to it as well? So this is living, breathing, evolving type of workspace. And that's our vision and go-to-market strategy. All right. We'll see if it works. In the meantime, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, your favorite book. Favorite book? Oh, man. I think it comes down to what I'm reading. Actually, favorite book is a sales book, um, How to Pitch Anything from Oren Clough. Any, yeah, any fledgling entrepreneur looking to get started in, in, in business, they need to learn how to sell. That book is great in terms of framing conversations. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? There are so many, so many. Um, I think Sa- Sam Altman is like amazing to follow. Um, very unassuming, extremely intelligent. Um, really interesting to, to follow him right now. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Node? Favorite online tool? I would say, because I'm not non-technical, I would say Miro has been extremely helpful for us. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Oh, that's a loaded question. You know, I used to be about four or five hours of sleep. Now I've prioritized it as my number one thing, uh, objective of the day, even before work. Um, So now I'm getting about seven hours. That's great. And situation, married, single kids? Um, I am single. I do have a son who's eight years old. Oh, very cool. Okay. And how old are you? I'm 38. 38. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. I wouldn't change a thing. So ignorance is bliss. I would like to know the same um, as I knew back then and follow the same path. Guys, Node.ai got going, caught six months ago researching. They just closed a $500,000 convertible note with a 10 million cap. So caught the sold 5% of the business. Pretty healthy though. The question now is, can they get uh, MBA students as their initial ICP target? Can they get these students using the tool? Uh, and then after that, can they start turning on a revenue stream here? We will see what happens. Justin's got experience though. One, two-time exited, first-time exited founder, second-time exited founder, bootstrapped VC. Node is his third project. We'll see where it goes. Justin, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you so much, Nathan. Have a wonderful day, everyone.